The underdog is howling. Stanford Steve and the Bear. Ah, yes. A home team getting points. What's better than that? Welcome in week nine, Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast. Appreciate you checking in. I can't believe Bear, it's, it's it's week nine. Like we're 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 flying past the halfway point. I know you're all over the place on the road. Uh, sinuses, head. How 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 we doing at this time of year? We're starting to get temperature change. I know you're in Tampa Bay, but uh, we 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 feeling good. I'm 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 a little tired this week. I'll say that last week's last week's Hartford, Phoenix, Eugene, Tuscaloosa, drive to Birmingham, back to Hartford, kind of kind of knocked me out a little bit. So I, I will admit we're we're dragging. Fortunately, we got night. We had a nice easy one this week. Mm-hmm. Tampa, Jackson, Knoxville. That is so like it, it, it's kind of broken up short segment. We're going to stay in Tampa. Tonight, after the the game, get a nice nice sleep in the hotel room before we fly out tomorrow morning. Hey, we're 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 we're, we're, we're going to be we'll be we'll be okay. Come next week, we'll be yep. once that calendar flips to November, yeah. and we got the big uh, the big games next week: Alabama, LSU, Tennessee, Georgia. We'll we'll be good, and Clemson, Notre Dame as well. Mm, big ones, big ones for sure. Uh, different kind of docket, I will say. This week, week nine, not as juicy for the. Average fan, they, there's not a lot of those rank versus rank, but there are some games that obviously mean a lot, uh, mm-hmm. but are are very very interesting. And we'll get to. I have three official picks in the column so far. I have a bunch of other possibilities that might make it. I'm just waiting, uh, trying to crunch some other numbers, maybe mm-hmm. maybe find out a little more uh, info on some teams. But uh, I'm going to start Friday night. I, this is just situation based. ECU probably the biggest win last week in the Mike Houston era uh, with the, with them upset in UCF. BYU looking as bad as they have all year, uh, going across the country to Lynchburg and getting pounded by Liberty. And uh, now they come home Friday night. We've seen that place, what it's like. The old intramurals, Friday night intramurals in Provo. I think they'll hold off a little bit. I think that stadium will be packed. And like I said, situation alone, I trust Coach Sataki. In this situation, ECU possibly feeling themselves a little bit, going out, playing in altitude. I will take BYU minus the three. Yeah, I can I can see BYU being this. I mean, you talk about a team that's been thoroughly disappointing, and certainly they had uh, a lot of injuries that, that, that kind of cost them ever since that win over Baylor, and, and really they've been non-competitive the last few weeks, which is kind of disappointing, but – I, I totally get why BYU would be a, a play in this spot, and it would be uh, BYU or pass for me. And then uh, we we talked about on Daily Wager the other day uh, just some of the just absolute stink lines that are out there, mm-hmm. and and I think the situation I, I have two two which kind of match up in both the stink line and situation, and, and the first one's Missouri getting four against South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina's got that number next to their name now. It says they're ranked. I had the Gamecocks last week. I was fortunate that they did get the win and the cover uh, when he outright as a dog. But in watching the game, I was petrified uh, watching the game because their offense really didn't do a whole lot. They had 286 yards in the game. They had the the, the kickoff return for a touchdown. They had another 19-yard touchdown drive after the the, mm-hmm. the botch uh, – snap, whatever that yep. was. I mean, a lot just went their way. So like against a Missouri team, which has been good enough against the run at times, uh, can make some plays on offense uh, at times as well. I know they weren't great last week. Um, I, I, I can see Missouri plus four being the right side in this game. And then just to piggyback as they segue nicely, is Texas A&M getting two and a half at home? Against all the mess, I know they had the off the the off the field issues this week, but so what? I I don't care. Those guys weren't in front; they're not really contributing. I know they look like a dumpster fire, but Mm -hmm. the A and M defense still did play well last week. I know they got issues at the quarterback position as well, but but I but I think with a chain uh, going against Ole Miss, we we've been talking about Ole Miss all year about how yes they're winning games, but yes we think they're vulnerable as well. 
I think last week was, I don't want to say last week was a true indicator of what kind of team they are, but I think this is, they shouldn't be laying points, I don't think, uh, at AM. I know they beat them pretty good last year in Oxford, so you got their revenge angle as well for people who care about that. But I just think the, the situation with, with AM and that defense and coming home now with all the, the stuff swirling around the program, I think playing the, uh, the Aggies plus two and a half is a good spot. Fair. They have not played a home game. In forever since September, hold on. I, was gonna say, I think it was. I think it was the Miami game that we yeah, were there for. It is. It's. Uh, I want to get the date. My September seventeenth, the last time they played a home game, and I, I totally get where you're coming from because I watched that game, and I was blown away at how hard A and M's defense played throughout that. South Carolina didn't do anything offensively, and now you just bring obviously a more polished offense in. But if there's something they could lean on, it's that defense. And yeah, it's there's been you know crazy things going on in the program, but I still think that school has enough pride where they're going to provide a home field advantage. So that's the that's the dynamic. I don't know what's going to go on because if that if if the same thing happens last week and they go down seventeen nothing in the first quarter, this could turn into you know, a flamethrower uh, of a stadium. You don't know what's going to happen and how the reaction is going to be. But I do. I, I, I the, the run game, I think Wegman's got to be the guy moving forward. As much as it humbles Jimbo to take his original plan and, and toss it, I think this is the way to go. I thought he was impressive, man. He got thrown to the Wolves in, in Columbia last week late in the fourth quarter. And you saw the arm strength. Uh, you saw the capability of him. So that's a really – it might be the most fascinating game of the weekend just with what's at stake. Ole Miss, the doubters finally got their wish, uh, you know, last week in Baton Rouge. And now AM, you don't know what's going to happen. So it's it's a really, really interesting game. So I'm 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 dying to see what happens in that. I got another idea here, and it's 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 dealing with Maction. I know it's on the horizon, Bear, but I'm not waiting a week. I'm jumping in right now. <laughs> jumping in right now. With your Eagles from Ypsilanti. Factory. They, yeah, the factory's ready to go. This this is – you talk about your time of year. This is the max time of year. And I look at Toledo. Sounds like they're a little banged up coming out of that loss mm-hmm. to Buffalo. High-scoring game. They lose 34-27. And here's little old Eastern Michigan. Still got that Pac-12 win on their on their resume. Ugly win against Ball State. But that's what they – that's what they do. They, they, they specialize – in this kind of game, and I just see them catching weird numbers, getting six and a half against definitely a more talented uh, Toledo team. But I just like the idea of Creighton, his squad, on the granite, as an underdog at home. I'm going to take Eastern Michigan. That sun just just beaming off the off the granite turf, like you just you know Creighton those sunglasses just out there pounding away. Uh, I'll take the Eagles plus the points at does home. Does the sun shine in? Does the, does the sun shine in Ypsilanti? Maybe pregame. And, uh, maybe pregame. Then we dim it down for the granite. Exactly right. When when do we when do we turn the clocks? Then it'll really. I don't even know if we do anymore. I have no yeah, idea. I, I lose track of that. Like Arizona, like they do, but they do. I, Indiana, yeah. I, it's it's too much for me to remember. <laughs> well, do, what what uh, do you have? One more in the column. I do. I got one more on the column, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to hate it um, because I'm going to lay the points with Ohio State, even though they mm. struggled uh, against the number against Penn State. And they, you're doubting my nets again, huh? Right. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm down on them again. Just, just, just go. Just going against them. But I, I think a lot of people just kind of think they got right last week after the uh, the win over Minnesota. But I, I think. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with a freshman quarterback making his first start. It was no threat of a passing game. They were completely one-dimensional. They could hone in on shutting down Mo Ibrahim. And now you got to deal with everything Ohio State has to offer on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I think the fact that the game is uh, during the day yes. kind of helps negate that little home field edge and getting geeked up in the in the night primetime game. I think that psychologically is a big deal with the fans and then the whole whiteout mentality. Uh, that, that they have for a game like this. Uh, I, I think Ohio State, with all the weapons that they have, too much pressure on the Penn State defense. Uh, and, and I don't think that the Penn State offense, Clifford, and those guys can can score uh, with Ohio State. So I'm going to lay that 15 and a half with the, uh, with the Bucks. 
in my office pools, I took Penn State plus the points, and here's why. Nothing against Ohio State. You know, I, we could talk a little bit about this later, just as far as the, the rankings are around the corner next Tuesday that you'll be a part of. But I watched Ohio State last week. I mean, Iowa, I should say I watched Iowa. I, I watched it, I want to say, one, Good for one you. and a half times. And, and I, I had to. Tell about I, you watched Iowa and lived to tell about it. I had to watch it because I just needed to see, like, what is the problem? Because you watch their defense. They are so sound in what they do. They're never misaligned. They never are, you know, outspaced. They did a great job against Ohio State. I mean, six turnovers. They came back out on the field every time. Yeah, they Ohio State put up 54. They have the capability, especially when they're going with 20-yard drives, 30-yard drives, great <laughs> field goal kicker. Those things are going to add up because of the pressure they put on you. But their defense, I want to see it on the road in a tough environment. They, the only road game they have is, is at Sparty. In that offensive line, I still am not sold. Going back and watching it again last night, I was up late. The offensive line, I mean, listen, I was a problem on defense. We know that. That's their strength. They do a great job. They got active guys. Their linebackers run free all the time. But I just, I'm not sure. I want to see Ohio State if they're on the same page in, in, a, in a hostile environment. That's what I want to see. And I don't think they're going to run for 400 like Michigan did. I think they have, you know, too much prowess with C.J. Stroud and getting the ball to those guys on the outside where they have the advantage at almost every single uh, position when you go from the outside receiver, inside receiver, tight end, you know, slot, opposite receiver. So Ohio State only ran for 66 yards against Iowa last week, and it was just they didn't look good up front. So I, I'm, I'm not sold there. I need to see it. And, you know, the last six games, we all know, you know, uh, between these two teams have been decided by an average of six points. My issue is Penn State and the guy calling the defense. That's Manny Diaz. I'm not a big fan of him in this spot, and that's why they didn't make the column. But uh, I lean Penn State in this game knowing when they had their spots against – or I should say, you know, they got the wins against Purdue and Auburn. They haven't been what we thought they were. And then they get trounced by Michigan, who just rolled up their sleeves and said, we're going to run it down your throat. And that's a credit to Michigan because I didn't think they would do that. Uh, but I think at home, the other factor is the night game. We'll see. You know, uh, I heard Greg McElroy talking uh, about his first whiteout last week, and he was just amazed at going around the country. And Penn State was easily the crowd that's in their seats, you know, a half hour before the game, you know, hooting and hollering. So uh, they got to get up even earlier if they want to, you know, heckle uh, Ohio State this week. So a, a really interesting game at noon uh, to see that. So um, I'll, I'll be interested. I want to see Penn State's offense. I think they're, they could do some things throwing the ball uh, with because the, they got guys that get open. It's just a matter of being able to protect Clifford and getting him upright. And sure. can they run the game? And they mix that in and, and help Clifford. So um, I lean Penn State in that one. And in my other pick in the column, we did a segment on ranked teams given short amount of points and, and which smelled the worst. You obviously took South Carolina and went against them with Missouri. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take – North Carolina and go against them with Pitt. Plus, I'm trying to get there with Pitt. I'm totally with you, man. I'm I I look going back and watching them. I'm shocked they didn't even pull Slovis last week. He was brutal. Turnovers, uh, lack of communication on defense against a not good Louisville offense on the road, and now they go do it again against a way better offense, and they're only getting three. I do trust Narduzzi to have his team ready. I'm not a fan of the North Carolina offensive line. I think Pitt can can mess some things up there up front and, and get May off his spots. He's been awesome. If you haven't watched North Carolina, watch him. He's that good. You know, just going down the list, I've said it a couple of weeks now, all preseason, all we did was talk about the quarterbacks in the ACC. And I see about two now. I mean, for one game, I'll take Sam Hartman. But if you're talking about an upside in the future, Drake May is the guy. Every other guy in the league, I think, is is playing below standards. Um, it's been unfortunate. There's been injuries involved. There's been, you know, lack of good old line play. But this line really just smells to me uh, with Pitt uh, only catching three against a ranked team. So I'm going to take the Pitt Panthers. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there with Pitt, and I'm trying to get there with Notre Dame as well. Uh, a lot of times you see teams that, kind of have a, a Cinderella-type year and you suffer your first loss and kind of the air gets let out of the balloon 
uh, you see a little bit of a disappointing performance, a little bit of a hangover the following week. Uh, will that happen at home against Notre Dame coming in? I don't know, but the, the way Syracuse lost that game, having the lead, the terrible personal foul call, extending the drive after third and twenty-five, mm-hmm. and and then the play on the on the other end on the, on the offensive side of the ball when no foul was yeah. called, two massive plays that really changed that game. So maybe that will kind of serve as an impetus to, to maybe fire them up. I know Schrader's a little beat up. I'm, tr- I'm thinking about trying to get there with Notre Dame as well. And I'm also thinking about uh, trying to get there with West Virginia. I had Texas Tech last week, a uh, nice, easy winner. And now the Mountaineers go home after turning the ball over a million times, allowing a million points and uh, yards through the air again. TCU comes in after uh, another comeback. And, and mm-hmm. now we seem to be ans- asking the question every week. Yeah. Like, team can they keep doing it can they keep coming everyone's pointing out about how they happen to be facing these backup quarterbacks or quarterbacks get hurt uh, during the game so that might be a little bit of like a a motivating factor as well like nobody thinks tcu uh, is very good and 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 they're kind of using that as a driving force now you go on the road against a defense that you should score a ton of points on Uh, it seems to be one of the easier remaining games of the year but it's still a conference road game. I'm, I'm seven and a half. I'm trying to get there with uh, with West Virginia as well. Yeah, about Notre Dame, I just think these teams are so similar when you look at the issues on the offensive side. They don't have the greatest throwing quarterbacks. They do have an absolute difference maker throwing the ball too, and I think Schrader got caught late in the game just honing in on Gadsden, and that that's where he was going to go with the ball. Clemson knew it, and that's what happens. And then with Notre Dame, Pine, I've said it all along. I, you can't trust them. He, he, there's wide open throws, guys running free. He cannot complete the passes. And obviously, I love Michael Mayer more than anybody. And Pine, I think, might love him even more because all the targets are going to him. And, hey, if I'm the offensive coordinator, that's what I'm trying to get the ball to my best player. So you have a quarterback in Pine going on the road against a defense who I like. In Syracuse on the back end, I think they got some players at linebacker and secondary, but I think Notre Dame might try and pound them up front, a la, you know, going to North Carolina and running the ball down their throat and making throwing lanes easier for Pine. I just, I don't, I don't know about it. I, I don't trust them in this situation. And on the other side, I don't trust Syracuse. I have to think Tucker's going to get more than five carries. I mean, the, the game never was out of hand. And that's what happens. And, you know, you get circumstances here on the road. I don't know if Tucker might have been banged up, but five carries and then one possession game the whole time, that's what was really weird. And you could just see they couldn't get their flow going, um, the three and outs. I didn't think Klubnik was a difference in the game. Uh, I thought, you know, the, the fumble by Uyunglele was, was the difference. You know, you get a 90-yard touchdown on defense, and now you're in it. And Clemson showed me a lot. They did move the ball in, in their offensive line. I would take Notre Dame's over Clemson's, but they they showed signs that they could run the football. Shipley with a fumble. Then he comes back with a 50-yard run. Clubbing just did a good job of not turning it over. And then they relied on that defense. I, I want to say, did they throw a shutout in the in the second half? Yes. Yeah. I, so they're getting better. Brzee looks better. He looks like he's getting in the game shape. Uh, Clemson's going to be a problem moving forward. We've talked about that. So I, I look at Notre Dame as a side against Syracuse. Uh, that's, that's the way I'm leaning. The other lean I have is, is after you know their first loss of the year with UCLA, coming home to play Stanford. I don't know who the hell <laughs> playing running back at Stanford. I, I don't. They have Their top two guys are out with injuries. The third guy went in the portal which you don't see much at, the, at that university. And UCLA, the outside Stanford kick, degree just doesn't matter. That doesn't count for what it used to count. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm proven proof of that. Uh, but UCLA did move the ball up and down the field on Oregon. The onside kick turned the whole idea of the game around. Credit to Lanning and the staff pulling that off. And they took it and ran with it. But like I said, UCLA, I thought the defensive line would play better, and they got they got manhandled by Oregon. I mean, Oregon did what they wanted. Knicks looked phenomenal. I mean, guys were running free all over the place. They ran the ball really effectively. Uh, so I don't think Stanford could do anything 
close to that. I think they're going to have to throw the ball a ton. And I like UCLA's back end against this. I think UCLA will put up plenty of points. So I like, I, I'm leaning UCLA uh, minus the 16 and a half there. Yeah. Then I, I'm, that's a total stay away from me. I could see UCLA team total uh, being over as well. Well, the other game I'm looking at as well, and I'm, I'm, I've thought about throwing in there was Oklahoma. I, mean, I think if you look at the Sooner yeah. schedule now, like like nine and three is possible. I mean, they got the Bedlam game, but all the other games that they have left in the conference, I, like, are, are are winnable. I think I think for them, and, and with Dylan Gabriel back in the lineup now, like like their offense is a different oh. offense. And I think so. I think when he went out, yes. I think the team had like this sense of a. Oh, we don't have a quarterback now. Like, like, they, 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 like things just went bad on all around both sides of the ball. And now that Gabriel's back, I think he gives them a boost. And you're going against an Iowa State team that's probably the second worst team in the in, in the league. And they, again, they're back to the we can't find a way to win a close game. I brought up the number now uh, under Matt Campbell. Now five and twenty straight up in games where the spread is between three and a half. On, on both sides. So, like, again, this game falls right into the conversation. I don't think that Iowa State offense uh, is an offense that will threaten and really expose the weakness of OU, which is that defense. So, Oklahoma, I'm trying to get behind. And then are you a little worried about our Illini this week going to Lincoln, laying, laying a big number? Absolutely. One thing I will say, though, I, I don't – I thought it would be a little smaller, but given more than a touchdown – we're going to really find out about the Illinois defense here. Again, like I said, with Ohio State, now you get a feel. I, I still didn't – the game gives me scars, uh, that loss at Indiana. Oh. Just seeing that game oh. and how hectic it got. And it was a combination of, of turnovers, obviously, and putting Illinois' defense in the wrong spot. But when they needed it, they could not get a stop with the game on the line. And that stuff just sticks in my head. And so I, I do lean Nebraska. I will say this, just from a talking point. And I'd like to get your thoughts here. When we get to this point in the year, you have to not blindly, but if you want to go with something, you're going to have to take some teams that you're not sold on at this point, because the better teams are overpriced. Now we're in week nine and you see these teams and that's what's, that's what's fishy. When I pointed out ranked teams, North Carolina, only given three to Pitt, South Carolina, only given four to Missouri, Wake Forest, I think I saw a three and a half out there, Absolutely. you know, at, at Louisville. Uh, you know, you jumped on um, AM at home against two. This is where we're really going to find. And a lot of those circumstances are teams on the road. And I keep saying it, but that's what gets, back, gets me back to Ohio State. I'm not questioning the talent. I know all the metrics. They love them with the, what is it, the game control. They're first mm -hmm. in that. They're second in points. Understood. I, I've said time and time again, Ryan Day is my favorite play caller in the sport. I just need to see it. And this is where we start to see it. And credit to them for not having to go on the road until the last week of October for a real conference game. Uh, so plenty, plenty to be heard. But your thoughts on that? You agree with that? No, I, I do. And I think that goes to show the difference between perception of like poll voters and seeing a one-loss record opposed to people who bet and use power ratings and have their own power ratings. And I think that just goes to show the, the, the true, the true understanding of like, what is more representative. It's not the AP poll. It's, it, it's these, the power rankings, which give a much truer indicator of teams. So I saw DraftKings posted an updated Illinois season win total at nine and a half. Mm. At Nebraska, they're, they're, they're sitting here right now, six and one, five games remaining. So they need to go four and one the rest of the way to go over that nine and a half, which is, which is plus money. At Nebraska, Michigan State, Purdue, at Michigan, at Northwestern. Mm. They get to 10. You're going to assume, I think, that they lose at Michigan. I think yes. that's a safe assumption. Mm -hmm. Win the other four games. I, 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 I Purdue trusting them last week and, you know, checking that score 21, nothing. Uh, they, they can't do that on the road to Illinois. I, that's, that's the game, obviously. 
with Purdue. And if like, what's that? If they're giving seven and a half on the road at Nebraska, what are they giving? Six to Purdue? Yeah, I was going to say probably a little less than that. Yeah. Mm, that's, I also want their, their whole thing too is, is DeVito with his health. You mm-hmm. know, like they're, they're a different team. Um, you know, when we saw Sikowski go in at quarterback. So I don't. But look, look, look at the look at the points that they've allowed this year, by the way. Yeah, no, I. 23, 3, 0, 10, 6, 14. Now, I know they played some offenses. Yeah. But but still, zero is hard. Three is hard. Six is Iowa. But still, like, their defense is good. Yeah, it is. And and the, and the thing is, is their offense. They got a lot of speed, man. They do a good job in their run game uh, with their tight ends moving them around. And obviously, Brown is a, is an absolute difference maker uh, for them. You know, getting the ball on the offensive side. So that that's a great number. Wow. Uh, I, I I can't get there. I I, I can't get. I'm I've kind of I've kind of almost. I, I shouldn't say. It. I really happy with how easily we got to. The over four and a half there. Yep. So I've, I have, I did not watch them uh, previously. I do, uh, you mentioned six points in Iowa's offense. Is, is everyone going to have Northwestern plus the 11? I, you, you talk about a game I want no part of. <laughs> like, 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 do you play Northwestern team on team total under? Watch Iowa win 10 nothing? Like, that's possible. His defense is so good, man. Watching them, I, I said, watching them against Ohio State, they are so good. Um, it so sucks bad. that their offense is this I bad. I feel so bad for Iowa fans oh. having to watch that crap every single week. They can't. They it's came not, out. It's not right, man. Like their defense, like you said, their defense is so good, and then you throw that crap out onto the field on the other side of the ball. I, I keep saying, I didn't, I didn't post it, but the idea of sitting down whatever it is, 12-20 now for the big noon kickoff game for kickoff. Iowa gets the ball off a bye. Great field position, 30-35 yard line. They come out, first play off a bye. The defensive back literally moved three steps and Peters <laughs> threw it right to him. The, the kid, tur- he went, it was, it was zone coverage. He takes three steps, turns around, and the ball is in his chest. Like I was surprised he caught it. That's how quick it came. Like it looked like he came out and and did it and did it like on purpose. That's that's how bad it was. And that's how you start. And that's how the ball gets rolling. But the Iowa defense, uh, I, I I watch it because I I appreciate him, and I just think that's that's really fishy because I I watched Northwestern against Maryland, and they've some people say they only could get better, but they have shown improvement. And I just feel like that's a ton of points in it and because I was not going to do anything offensively. I don't think they'll be able to run the ball. And their pass game is just atrocious. So, um, yeah, there's that. Uh, hangover effect after uh, Oregon's big win at Cal? Well, we, 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 know, we know Cal's been good mm. in the underdog role, but I, I, I don't know. I, I thought the the da- there was a danger game a couple of weeks ago when Tucson is a big favorite on the yep. road. Yep. I thought Arizona could score some points and hang in there, but Oregon just went down went went down there and bludgeoned them. Like I, I get why you would want to take Cal plus the points. It seems like a very obvious spot. That Oregon defense is really like all the points that Oregon seems to be allowing are like late after the game is decided. Outside, of course, uh, of the of the Georgia game, mm. so that was was over in a hurry. But I think that Oregon defense is good, and and the run the, the running game, and the number of guys that they have, like I, I they are built for the, the the long haul here. They're so young, and so many sophomore contributors that that this this is a team that I mean everybody likes to talk about SC and the transfer portal and all mm-hmm. the, the guys that they can bring in and, and SC in the future, but like like Oregon's the team that I would want because I think they're built for the for the most sustainable success of anyone out there right now. And especially if, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with realignment, but yeah, I, I, I like them a lot, man. I, well, here's the deal. I said before the season, they were the biggest wild card in the country. 
to me because I had a feeling that was going to happen week one, and I didn't know what was going to happen with the dynamic of Bo Nix coming in, new offense coordinator, new head coach, you know, so much change going on in a program where it finally had, you know, it didn't end the way they wanted last year, but they had some, some foundation there. And it's a real credit to Lanning, man. Like I, I'm blown away at how well he has handled things since that loss to Georgia. So someone, uh, someone was someone out there last week was saying that it was as happy, as happy as they've ever seen Bo Nix and how he's playing. And oh, no it, doubt. It's amazing, amazing how you leave Auburn and you leave Auburn and you go somewhere else <laughs> and like you you play well and you're in good spirits. Man, you got a little Chick Fil A out there too. I saw that was that was nice. You must have needed that. Was there? System. Oh I yeah, I missed. They didn't, that. Get, they didn't get you any. No, no, we uh, um, no, we got uh, we went to Beppe and Gianni's on on Friday night. Okay, it was awesome. The place never disappoints. No, and uh, even though La Perla, the pizza place, which was the sister restaurant, uh, COVID unfortunately uh, mm. knocked that out of commission, but but Beppe and Gianni was great and talking to. Talking to the owner, he had his AC Milan colors up there. I made a, I made a comment, Ross and Harry, and it immediately, I, I, I was, I was a made man. I, I was good, uh, but no, we um, and, and then 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 my, then our guy Fu, we we got something from a uh, a place called the Chiba Hut for the uh, little flight from okay. Oregon to Alabama. That was really good too. Mm. All right. We got to get your thoughts. Enormous recruiting battle in the Northeast depends on this game with BC headed down 84 to take on the Huskies. Could be some mayhem at the rent. And this mayhem moment is brought to you by Allstate. Get protected from mayhem this year when you switch and save with Allstate. This, I thought I saw a 10 out there. I know I saw a nine. I thought now it was it's, seven, right? Now it's seven and a half. The Huskies at home. If there's ever a time, it could be it could be now for UConn. BC is as bad as it's been in years. Uh, I think Coach Moore will have the boys ready to go. I see a total of 44 and a half. I think 20 points wins this game. Your thoughts? 20 is a good number. I I still have to go with Boston College University here. It's hard to. Okay. I mean, I mean, they. they it makes you wonder how the hell they beat Louisville and scored 34 points in that game Correct. Uh, based, on their, based on their offensive performances uh, in, in all of the other games. I can't, I can't, I can't back UConn here. Okay. That's, that, that, that's just hard to do. I, I know, I know BC has struggled and I, I know they can't score points and their, their running game is non-existent. And, uh, but I, I I'm going to, I'm going to assume that we'll, we'll get, at least one uh, Drakovich to Jay Flowers, Zay Flowers, rather touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. I, I think the I think that recruiting battle that that angle is key. I think that's something that that Jeff Hockley and the Eagles coaching staff is going to really focus on and be like, hey, we are the we are the marquee program in New England. We 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 need to dominate the Connecticut, Rhode Island, the Massachusetts recruiting base and keep all these kids home. What do you think the mindset is of the boys from Las Cruces? Landing in Bradley Airport, riding up 91, and then seeing the Basketball Hall of Fame on the side of the highway in Springfield on their way to Amherst. Six to take on ball, UMass. Yeah. I mean, where talk about a road trip. Las Cruces <laughs> to Amherst, Massachusetts, and you're given two and a half. Donnie Brown got to be licking his chops with, with Jerry Kill and the boys coming in. Oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah that, that, that's an offense that. I think old Donnie Brown, I mean, the, the defensive mind that he is, he's good. I mean, you talk about a home underdog in this spot after flying uh, across the country and then that that that, that ride up 91, like you said, passing oh. the uh, – yeah, it, it's, it's going to be an impressive uh, an impressive sight for the boys from, from Las Cruz. I, yeah. I'm going to have to go with the old Minutemen here. I, I, wonder I think if they, they stay gotta, in Chicopee for that one. I don't know. I wonder where – can't let them stay at the casino in Springfield now. That's too dangerous. No, no, I, 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 that's what I was going to say. Riding past the old, the old casino. <laughs> uh all right. Let's talk some. Where are they getting sports betting there? By the way, uh I know it got legalized. We, uh, we're on the, we're on the hook in Maryland. I'm, uh, I'm told week before Thanksgiving or week after, which is a promising uh, thought. But I don't need to be inundated with uh, 
the the advertisements uh just tell me when it's going to be coming and you could be damn sure my money's going to be deposited yeah, we, we need um, to get you involved in that there we need Mm, to be the, that'd be nice. To, to I'm be here. Of like, Just reach out. You know, you know, you know, you know where to find them. Before we move on, there's a new ESPN podcast I want to mention: the CJ McCollum Show. Every week, New Orleans Pelicans star CJ McCollum discusses names and storylines in and around the NBA, with perspective from inside the locker room and on the floor. You could follow the CJ McCollum Show wherever you are listening to this podcast. Let's talk some ranked teams here. Georgia is another team. You know, doing college football live later today, I believe we'll be talking some Georgia. That's and nice you get to do college football live. Yeah. I'm glad you get to do that. I'd like, Very to, be, I'd, I'd like to be able to do it, too. Yeah, you're on the road. You can't do it from the plane. Okay? I make, we gotta, I, we gotta I, have, I, I didn't make the cut. we got to have, yeah. we got to have more, less travel days uh, for you. But look, Every day is a travel day for me. Yeah. Looking at Georgia, okay, they're off a bye. Before that, it was a win against Vandy. Then it was a win against Auburn. Then it was the road win at Missouri where everybody started having their doubts or, you know, naysayers were going to point things out. Here's what bothers me is they have guys like A.D. Mitchell, wide receiver, and defensive lineman Jalen Carter, who might be the best in the country. Those are two absolute difference makers, and they're not playing. And when you go down Georgia's roster, we've seen the, the youth at linebacker. As good as they've been, they still have true freshmen playing in the secondary. So my question is, do you trust Anthony Richardson and Napier in a game that they've had to have circled forever to, to do things that could give Georgia problems in this circumstance? I don't. You don't. But can you look past your doubts of their defense? in their offense to play a game as they did against LSU. And just basically score, score yeah. some points and give just, up a million Just play, points. play an over game. I don't know. I, okay. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on Florida at all. Gotcha. You look at especially Richardson's performance in, in games this year outside of that Tennessee game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of been booty cheeks for the lack of a better word. Yeah. No <laughs> doubt. It's, it's rough. I, I think he's going to have a hard time. I think Kirby and I think Kirby's going to throw the uh, the kitchen sink at him. I, I I think this is a really good spot for Georgia to kind of get their mo get 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 their mojo back before that game uh, next week against the Vols when they come into Athens. Like I I think this is one of those like slow methodical. Like last year, I think it was thirty four seven. I think the final. Yep. I think the game's going to be very similar to that. I, I I don't see Florida doing much offensively at all. And I, 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 and I think this is a game where even if Mitchell doesn't go, uh, they might be able to get some big plays and then just just pound the ball and, and, and run the game out. This almost felt like the game last year where Mullen was at the tipping point. He started Richardson, and it was over fast. And it, it almost had that look like, all right, you guys wanted me to start the kid. He's not he ready. Here you go. This is what he is. So I, I'm looking for him to play a rejuvenated game, knowing how bad last year looked. Okay, so you would rather take Sparty plus the 22 than Florida plus the 22. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't go putting words in my mouth now. How can you play Michigan State? You, do you, I mean, you understand like, like how badly Harbaugh's going to want to beat them after blowing that game last week, last year in East Lansing? But yeah. like, yes, you know, I do. Oh, God. No, I, I I would not rather take Michigan State plus the 22 than Florida plus the 22. Okay. Would you rather take Kentucky plus the 12 and a half? Ugh. Like, logic says yes. So I probably would rather take Kentucky plus the 12 and a half than, than, than uh, Florida plus the 22. I mean, because we, we do know that Kentucky's defense is capable of getting some stops. Yep. Uh, they probably would have won uh, at Ole Miss if it weren't for a couple of special teams faux pas. Um, but I, I ultimately worry about their offensive line protecting Will Levis and allowing him to make plays like he did last year against 
what is now the worst pass defense in the country. Mm. So like it's right. I think that's correct, right? They're the worst pass defense in the country. Yeah. Tennessee. And they'll they'll probably try and just use Rodriguez as well to try and help their defense. And look, I love Mark and I hope they win and I hope they play well. Um I think they're going to have a tough task, but if you're asking me who I would rather take, Michigan State or Kentucky, I'd much rather take uh, Kentucky. Got it. Yeah, it's it's one of the, like I said, it's it's to the point where you're going to need to trust these teams where you haven't seen all that you've wanted, especially if you had high hopes or you know a season win total over, or you thought players were going to be better than they were. But 106 meetings between these two teams. This is the third time both have been ranked. The last time. Both were ranked, and those were the other two times, 1950 and 1951. And this is the predicament that Tennessee puts you in, is they're 121st out of 120, uh, 131 schools in time of possession. They're also number one in points per game. And if you think about Kentucky and the old adage of, oh, we're going to play keep away, we're going to run the ball, we're not going to let them have the ball, it's, it doesn't work. It doesn't work because Tennessee is that good on offense this year. So Kentucky comes in uh, sixth in the country in time of possession. They're only running about 64 plays per game. I don't think that's good enough. You need to make the most of those opportunities. And when I go back and watch last year's game, Levis and Hooker were incredible. Uh, But it's also surprising to see how many guys are not involved, uh, or I should say in the NFL that played in that game. Last year, you talk about Kentucky losing three offensive linemen. Wondell Robinson was awesome. Velas, the receiver who was drafted uh, for Tennessee, had the big day. Hyatt only had one catch. Uh, Tillman did have some some grabs in that game. So I I, I worry that Levis is going to be too fired up and and have that those Brett Favre early moments is just winging it, you know, trying to make plays in a, in a crazy environment. You mentioned the lack of, of help on the offensive line for Kentucky. That crowd noise is going to be nuts, and I think that's a huge advantage for Tennessee's defensive line. So I, I'm really curious of how many points Kentucky scores. I, I don't think they could score 30, and I think they're going to need to if they want to win this game. So that when you look at the total, 62.5, I think you could pencil in Tennessee for 30-plus, but that's not enough for a team total. Uh, so it's – It'll be interesting. You cannot turn the ball over against Tennessee because that's where the time of possession gets thrown out the window, and that's what I worry about. Knowing how Levis is pressed, uh, Rodriguez has put it on the turf. He's been awesome. He looks like he's more in game shape uh, than the Ole Miss game where he, you know, his first game back where looked like he didn't have the legs and and ready for contact and all that stuff. So it's a dangerous spot. I know plenty of people that will blindly take Kentucky plus the double-digit points, and that's a credit to them for having more courage, and I'll, I'll, I'll give them that credit. So um, it'll be really interesting uh, to see that game in Knoxville, especially knowing what's next. And I know everyone's going to talk about that when they talk about that game. So uh, we'll see there. Uh, a couple ranked uh, – anything on Kansas State? Like, you, you, I mean, I would assume that Adrian Martinez isn't going to play. So it's a hard game to, to analyze just because of that. It's, it falls within the Gundy zone there of uh, the close games that he typically uh, does very well. So like if you hmm. got to play a side right now, I mean, I'd take the old Gundy 13-2 and two away from home uh, with, with, with the spread in between three and a half there since 2010. So game, game they typically try to win two teams off of two different ends of uh, – Big comebacks last week. Yeah, it's. I just don't know how you can have a broadcast of a game and you don't have any word about the starting quarterback. Like, you no. can't have one of your top crews with no sideline reporter. Correct. You, you have to have that information. It was mind-boggling uh, to see because the worst part is you're screaming at your TV. What's wrong? How do you think the announcers feel? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. like they're they're in the worst position possible. And, and at the same time, though, I will. Again, I don't know what they're pre-game weekly meeting deal is um, like that's something where if you're a coach or if you're a broadcaster like you need to have like a relationship or if you're a head coach like you need to understand like help help them out you basically hey just I mean even if it's a a call Saturday morning or just a, or the SID kind of giving a wink, wink, Hey, you can't go with it until the when, mm. but just be aware. 
like there's situations all the time where that happens and, and like you get it you get a heads up and it's like hey just so you know you can't go with it until whenever but for your preparation so you guys aren't caught off guard like that happens all the time yeah but like that's a little bit on that's a little bit of the Kansas State staff not really uh, being forthcoming. I mean, that's happened as well. It happened with us um, a couple of years ago in, in Oklahoma with Oklahoma and Baylor. Mm. We we did a piece on a uh, on game day on CD Lamb. CD Lamb, and and we no one and not a word and they made a, a lincoln rally oh no he's good we did a piece on cd lamb that week on the on the and then on the field like you hear these rumblings and, and then we try to get to cd lamb on the field and like the oklahoma staff is like surrounding him so no one can go ask him a question so it's like i mean stuff like that happens where you got coaches who are just so paranoid and secretive that they don't they don't care mm-hmm. but the good ones the good ones will, will fill you in and help you out because you helping them at the broadcast right. staff, only helps them out down the road. Like, like it's a two-way deal. Like the trust that, that gets built up is a good thing. But like these paranoid coaches, I don't get it, man. Uh, I'm there's, with there's, you. There's, there, there's my rant. No, I see. Uh, no, I hear. But but I also think like Kleiman's in the middle of a game, so he's obviously trying to figure out. Then he loses another one. But then you also see his mindset this week when they asked him if Adrian Martinez is playing this week, and he says, "I don't know." So. Now you know, like you know, you can only go so far uh, in your ask and stuff like that. And if guys want to shun you, then they're they're, they're not going to let you in. So there there is that. Uh, two more games I just want to get to, and then we will get to the recap. I thought the world of Utah coming back against USC a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. They they really showed what Whittingham brings to the table as far as a culture, a program, never giving up, always having to have a chance in the game, and. They lose a little bit of the limelight, uh, you know, going into the bye week. Obviously, monster game at Oregon coming up. Now they go to Palouse tonight. And Wazoo's a team I thought highly of before the season. They haven't recovered since that loss to Oregon, which they had the game won. And now the line keeps coming down. Or uh, Utah minus seven late night on the Palouse. Do you have any thoughts there? I mean, it would be Wazoo or pass, right? I mean, I mean, isn't that how it is? Both teams have that. I mean, I, I like the way Wazoo plays complementary football, and I think their, I think their defense could give Utah some problems tonight. I this game scares me because it's all about the start. I think if Wazoo goes up early, you're really, really asking a lot for Utah to come back again and cover a touchdown. So to me, it's all about the first half. And seeing how Rising comes out, I thought Wazoo's done a great job of of mixing up things defensively, uh, you know, under Dickert this year and, and going back to last year. So I'm really interested to see how this first half plays out, and that's what scares me off from the game because Utah, the way it's had it rolling, uh, but Wazoo's got good personnel on the back end. So I'm interested to see how that lines up. And then uh, Cincinnati is now a pick'em at UCF. They didn't look great last week in the SMU game. They actually could have lost no, it. I had I, I had SMU in the uh, the Will Hall contest plus the three. Okay, that worked out. I looked at SMU but, this week minus two at Tulsa, but I'm not messing with a road team. UCF get UCF get off up off the deck here. I'd I'd play UCF if I had to play the game. I mean, at home. I mean, good. I, I think Plumlee could give that that defense some problems, and, and like you said, even with Brian back, I think this is a, again a best receiver was out last week. I think too, so I don't know if I don't know if he's back this week or not. But I, I would I would take UCF at the bounce house there, looking okay. to put up a lot of points. I also had USC circled, but it's a weird. It's I believe it's a four o'clock local mm-hmm. in Arizona. Sounds like Pac twelve network. Yes, I will not be surprised oh. if this game goes over. The total seventy six. Arizona, I want to say in their last three losses, they've given up 49 in every one of them. I think that, and like I said, that Utah-USC game going back, you could say what you want, that you don't like the program or whatever, but what Caleb Williams and that offense brings to the table, I mean, just watching them over and over with their scheme, the way they space you out and the speed they have, I I just, again, if they go down early, they're going to come back and now you got to cover 15 and a half. I I I don't trust that happening 
Uh, I just love watching the USC offense because the other thing that no one talks about is the offensive line. They've been as good as anybody, and now you go on the road. You know you have the game against UCLA coming up. Um, they played fine against Utah, well enough to win for sure, and uh, their defense couldn't come through in the end. So got my eyes on SC because going down the road and looking ahead, Pac-12 obviously needs teams to get knocked off. But I would think in order to have somebody on the cusp of that playoff, they need SC and Oregon in that title game. That's yes. that's the best-case scenario because yes. they don't play in the regular season. They're both national teams, brands, the whole thing. Uh, so I, Oregon's going to have the Georgia cloud over their head the whole year, but they need other teams to get knocked off. I, I still think TC, TCU still has four road games. To play after this gauntlet that they've gone through, they still have four road games, and yep. I have them ranked number two uh, for what they've done, and I, I, I give them credit. Uh, well, their so. strength of record actually is number three. I, I mean, I, I didn't have Ohio State in my playoff this week when we did it on Scott Show. I had Ohio State five. Oh, stop it! I did. You're one of those guys. They're the best team. They're the best team. At some point, at some point, I need to see it. Though. I need to see it. In week nine, I, I go by resume. They have one road win at Sparty. That's it. That's it. And that's what I'm going off. Like the difference makers now in week nine, I'm going off who you be and, and, and where'd you play. So you go to Penn State and cover, you're in. I got you. Just show me. That's all. That's all I'm asking. That's not that hard in week yeah, nine, I, is I, it? I, I, see, I, I get, I get, but I, I hate the uh, whole, oh, well, yeah, Tennessee is clearly number one now because they got the best win. I, not, nothing's clear. Nothing but, is but that's what I'm saying. People that's how people talk. It's like everything people try to base it on schedule when that's not always the case. Yeah, like schedule is a good like tiebreaker. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, I'm a big fan of like watching the games and then kind of looking at like the efficiency ratings and the power rating thing. Like like Ohio State's the best team. Like, like the, the, and then if you want to go down and, and, and use other things in terms of like, like that's why I, I, I will say this. I, I will say this. I think if you want to do it in reverse, kind of what you're doing at the end of the year, like Ohio, the Ohio state, Michigan loser mm -hmm. probably can't win an argument. No, if you're comparing, no. If you're comparing resumes, they can't, you can make a football judgment and say, Hey, you know what? I know Ohio State and, or, or Michigan, they have the, the one head-to-head -head loss, and yeah, they really don't have any any great wins. Mm -hmm. But you look at their numbers in, in terms of their, their efficiency ratings, and they, I, I just think they're better than whomever it would be. Mm -hmm. Like that's something else. But if you're if you're just comparing wins and schedules, like the loser of that game is gonna have a very, very hard time. Like if if, if it all hits the fan and is everything's they're out. Problems. For number four, it's going to be very hard for them to make a uh, make a case. And and that's why I said I, I just look at like Clemson. I think the win at Wake Forest gets better and better every week because I think the world of Wake Forest. I would rather play Clemson right now than Wake Forest with how much of a pain in the butt they are. Did I really would. Look, did you see the look ahead line for next week? By the way, I did not. I saw Clemson minus three in South Bend. I'll I'll take Clemson in that one all day long. A lot lower, a lot lower than than I think people would have expected. Again, I forget where I saw. And what that. happens if Notre Dame loses? That go to seven? It'll probably get. It might go. It yeah. might get. Might go to four or four and a half, and and then probably get bet up to six, six and a half or so. I would think. Hmm. Yeah, I forget where I saw that, but I saw. I, saw I need to see time. Notre Dame's offensive line in this game against Syracuse yeah. to give and, me a, and then a I, feeling. And then I, and, and then I saw. Georgia minus 12 and a half, I think, against Tennessee. Give me those points. That was on FanDuel. I saw that. Give me all those points. All of them. Seems like and a maybe lot. even a maybe even a little money line. Maybe. Uh -huh. maybe. Maybe, maybe. Before the recap, I was wondering, like, how do we get our Lakers right? <laughs> so they lost again. You laugh. Time. You laugh. And I'm the guy when you're sleeping that's staying up and having to do a post game show talking Lakers. Okay, so if <laughs> you want to know, that's a new problem. <laughs> hey, um, our guy J Mac and I might have been exchanging messages. He's up in Bristol last night for the show, and it's it might have been typed 
It's October 26th, and I might have Lakers fatigue. (laughs) (laughs) I was was thinking, though, and and I brought it up on on Wager Mm. the other day. I was thinking about, I don't know where game day is going to be on the 12th or where the uh, the primetime game is going to be on the 12th, but if it's convenient, I was thinking about maybe going out to Staples and checking out Nets Lakers and just having a a good time out there. Seeing, oh, seeing two, two all the stars teams. will be out for that game. That would be terrific. So I think it's an afternoon game, so I can get a red eye home and mm. not not miss. Them. Just, wanna... just just throwing that out there. All right, I got to put that on the calendar. Got to put that on the calendar. Your Lakers, my Nets. Your Nets, correct? Did you take the dog? I saw the Sixers lost again too. Yeah, we don't. You can't say anything bad about Philadelphia. Can't. Nope. Well, that, that's their cross to bear for having yeah. the Super Bowl champ and the World Series champ. There you go. There you go. They know it. Um. All right. That will do it. Happy recap. Now we need the big. Now we need the big Mike happy recap. Big Mike happy recap. Big Mike happy recap. BYU Friday night minus three in Provo. Eastern Michigan plus the points. I think it's around six and a half. Um, I think in the column it was six and a half. At home on the granite against Toledo and Pitt plus three in Chapel Hill Saturday night. Possibilities could be Penn State, Notre Dame, UCLA uh, for my other things. Uh, Again, if you want our picks, ESPN.com, chalk section, it's right there. Um, I believe we are beat today by the monster matchup of NFL picks tonight in the Thursday night. Your game, Bucks, Ravens. Uh, your picks for the Big Mike Happy Recap. A uh, and M plus two and a half against old, Re- old Colonel Reb. Uh, Missouri plus the four against South Carolina, and Ohio State minus fifteen and a half. I'm a little worried because I'm just reading like I like Ohio State's the biggest ticket count. It's Caesars. It's got that Caesars email, so I'm on. It doesn't surprise me that Ohio State's the the big mm. uh, the big play amongst the the public, but I'll stick with the Buckeyes. And then, yeah, thinking of, thinking about maybe Nebraska, thinking about maybe Notre Dame. I like your pit. Maybe thinking about West Virginia. Uh, have to try and decide if I want. I haven't seen the USC team total, but I'm assuming it's going to be around 45 or so. That might be that might Ooh. be tough to to go over, but at the same time. Uh, they, last three, they, last three they, teams to beat Arizona scored forty nine. Yeah, so exactly, and then uh, and then I looked. I, 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 I looked at some. I did a uh, I did a little uh, IG pod with uh, some some friend Mackenzie Brooks who helped us out uh, this year in Bristol. She's been one of our runners for uh, mm-hmm. for uh, for uh, at, down at down at Georgia. Um, Quick lots, I believe, is the name of the. Uh, of the uh, IG pod, and um, they actually asked me about if I had any. They know how my love for uh, for tennis and soccer. So actually, mm. I gave them a, I gave them a Man City uh, minus the goal and a half against Leicester on Saturday, mm. and I gave them uh, Fulham Everton under two and a half. So those are those. Were, so if you're looking for a couple of things on Saturday to watch in uh, the other the other football. That's what I'm looking at. By the way, I went on the way to the hotel here in Tampa. Mm-hmm. I, I looked and there was a uh, a Big Mike's grocery. So I, I was the Big Mike moved to. Tampa. I haven't I haven't I haven't texted him. Maybe he, maybe he went south and, and opened up a grocery store. Can't blame him. Yeah, I will say this: Arizona State, please start the right quarterback. Borgay is good. If he starts <laughs> last week, they beat Stanford. Keep an eye on uh, that line. If he plays and starts, I like the over in Boulder. Uh, it's, it's 46. Uh, he could sling it, man. I, I really like that kid. So, uh, all right. That should do it. I, I think Next. if you look, I, I, was, I was talking with our guy Sam earlier in our in our meeting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we, we need to make a make a case for Stanford to the uh, – to, to be ranked in the, in, in the, in the playoff rankings next week. Stop. Like if, if you if you look at the last couple of weeks in terms of like special teams efficiency and like, like field goal, I mean, I mean, you talk about a dominant unit, one of the more dominant units in the country, the Stanford field goal team. I mean, Give me another offense that ran 83 plays and, and kicked five field goals. <laughs> Let me know. Let me know. And uh, keep looking for that one. And uh, I, I have that up on, on the podium. 
uh, for 83 plays and five field goals. But we'll take the W. Streak's over. Now we move on. Moving ahead. I could still have a successful season if I get a win over Notre Dame and Cal. That is still a possibility. True. I will take that. You better believe it. I know some people that are sweating Stanford under four and a half right now every week. Oh, like, they're fine. Okay? Am I still okay? Am they're I still fine. okay? I'm like, you're fine. They're fine. So, all right, my man. Travel safe. Get some rest. Enjoy Brady. I gave him out on head-to-head. Uh, do or die for the Bucks tonight. Uh, everybody. I don't know, man. I don't get a good feeling. Ah, eh, he'll figure it out. Yeah. They- Short week. He tells Leftwich, I got this one. I'm calling the plays this week. Big night for yeah, Otten. Yeah, they're going to get the fossil Julio Jones back tonight, too, I think. I'm sure I'm sure he'll be able to give him, like, three plays mm. before he hurts himself again. All right. Be safe. Bear, take us away. Unless you bet, more you lose when you win. You can listen to follow the Stanford Steve and the Bear podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, don't miss more from Stanford Steve on ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt. And check out the Bear on College Game Day on ESPN.